passage. This is Matthew 11, starting in verse 2. Now when John heard in prison about the deeds of the Christ, he sent word by his disciples and said to Jesus, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? And Jesus answered him, Answer them, go and tell John what you see and hear. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up, and the poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. As they went away, Jesus began to speak to the crowds about John. And he said, what, do you, what did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? What then did you go to see, a man dressed in soft clothing? Behold, those who wear soft clothing are in the king's houses. What then did you go and see, a prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. Truly I say to you, among those born of women, there has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist. (laughs) Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Uh, Jesus, we pray you open our hearts to receive this word, and by your spirit, uh, draw us to yourself in your name. Amen. Amen. Today I want to look at this question that John poses, and then Jesus' answer. John's question, or rather the question the disciples ask for John, and then Jesus responds. John, if you remember, is this roughshod preacher, repentance preacher, and he's been called to account by the political authorities of the day. They've had enough of him. He's become a a public nuisance. And so they put him in prison. And as he's there, I want you to picture a little bit of what this would be like. He's been removed from his vocation, He's been removed from his work. He's lost his job, essentially. He's been removed from his passion. And now he's held captive. He's alive for now, but he will very soon be killed. And here in this place of weakness, this place of suffering, this place where death will come to him, John finds himself in a bit of uncertainty in his own life. And he starts to reflect on his life and his calling, which was to make the people ready for the coming of the Lord. And he wonders, is Jesus really Christ? See, I think it's easy to believe, it was easy for John to believe, when hundreds were flocking to him, saying, yes, we'll repent, yes, we'll believe, baptize us. Easy to believe when heavens open and the Spirit descends and the voice from heaven says, this is my beloved Son, right? Easy to believe when things are going really well. And in the moments of glory and wonder and splendor, it's really easy to believe. In the moments of momentum and approval, public approval, when things are going well in life, when work is going well, when you're loved and respected by your peers, it's easy to believe, believe in Jesus, when all is well. And yet here is John, now in a place of imprisonment, no more repentance preaching, no more baptizing, right? And here this uncertainty emerges, or at least a question emerges. And it's easy to think that as John hears about Jesus from a distance, he says, is this the one to come? Or should we be waiting for another? 
I think it's comforting for us, it's comforting for me, that here even the great prophet John himself has this moment of maybe not doubt, if it's not doubt, but certainly of uncertainty and of question. Is Jesus really the one? And folks, it's human for us to doubt our faith when things get difficult. Some of you are perhaps in a difficult season of life. Uh, Perhaps you have lost your job. Or perhaps you've recently lost a loved one. Or perhaps for you Christmas uh, is a difficult time thinking of things you've lost or or just what hasn't happened or or maybe there's been a fight in the past around Christmas and then these old memories surface or maybe you're missing someone this Christmas. But for some of us, Christmas can be this place of where doubts and maybe uncertainties or even maybe fears emerge in our lives or maybe for you this season, life has just not gone as you planned. And here we are. I think for a lot of us, if you're a Christian, you can see doubt as sort of a weakness, as sort of an enemy. Uh, shouldn't doubt, you know, doubts, doubting Thomas gets kind of a bad rap, right? Shouldn't doubt. But Os Guinness, he's a prominent Christian writer and thinker, he says this about doubt. He says, if ours is an examined faith, we should be unafraid to doubt. Because if doubt is eventually justified, we were believing what clearly was not worth believing. But if doubt is answered, our faith has grown stronger. It knows God more certainly, and it can enjoy God more deeply. So the question here is not whether we will doubt. No matter how strong or how lacking your faith is, there will be times of doubt, just like with John here. The question for us is, do we we allow doubts or uncertainties to drown us? Or do we allow them to propel us deeper into faith and relationship with Christ? Which trajectory will that doubt send you or that uncertainty send you. John could have wallowed there in that prison. You can imagine, confined to his own thoughts. I know if I'm left to my own devices in my own thoughts, I'll probably start to think things that are not healthy, things that are not true. I need people to come alongside me and keep me on track. John could have wallowed in his own thoughts, his own own uncertainty. But instead, he gets his disciples around him, and, he's, and he allows the, the, the doubts, the uncertainty, to, to point him more deeply back to Jesus. See, John doesn't go, well, where am I going to search for answers? I don't know. I'll just ask, you know, the best people around me that I can find, or drum something up on my own. Instead, he, he takes his doubts and his uncertainties right to Christ. He takes them to Jesus. The doubts are not a weakness, folks, or our uncertainties are not a weakness. The question is, will we wallow in them? Let them fester. Let them point us away from God. Or do we let them point us back to God and then more deeply into Him? I've got a few uncertain things in my own life at the moment. Um, We're expecting our second child. We're going to be a family of four. And there's a big question, what, what's that going to be like? You know, I presume all is going to be well, but we don't, we don't know. We don't know if this baby is going to be healthy or not. 
No, we just don't know. There's a lot of certainty there. We don't know if the delivery's going to go well. Uh, we hope so. We pray so, but we don't know that. Um, you know, there's questions about what's it going to be like when we go head to Winnipeg for Christmas. You know, we've got all kinds of events to go and uh, go to, go to. Is our van going to function okay? You know, what about the New Year? Uh, you know, I've been planning, Lord, what would you want us to preach through and, and be studying for the new year? You know, so there's lots of questions there in terms of work, questions health-wise, questions about our own future, all sorts of uncertainties going on. There's lots to celebrate, too. I'm really thankful for our church. I'm really thankful for what God's done in our community this past year. There's lots to be thankful for. Um, but there's more that I that I long for us to experience together, to grow in a relationship and, and grow more deeply in the Lord and grow in our outreach and our compassion for the city. So there's lots to think about. There's lots of question marks. What's that going to look like? Do I let that overwhelm me? Or do I let that compel me more deeper, more deeply into Jesus and into his life? That's the question. When I let the doubts and uncertainties, like John here, draw me to Christ, I find that faith can grow and hope can emerge and love can be experienced instead of me wallowing in my own thoughts. So John asks the question, is Jesus the one they've been waiting for or should they wait for someone else? And the good thing is that he goes and asks Jesus directly. This goes right to Jesus. Are you the one or not? Can I trust you or not? Are you the Savior or not? Are you the one that we've been longing for or not? He goes directly to God himself. And this brings us from John's question now to Jesus' answer. Brings us from our own doubts or uncertainties or fears to the one who is the way and the truth and the life. And that is the healthy trajectory for our doubts or even our own sufferings to come to Christ. So the disciples come, and they ask, are you the one who is to come, verse 3, or shall we look for another? And now look at Jesus' answer here in verse 4. At first, it could seem like he doesn't really answer the question directly, right? He doesn't say yes or no. What does he say? Instead, he tells them to go back to John and tell him what they hear and see. What do you hear and see? says Jesus. He invites them to hear the reports of Jesus' own ministry with the people. And, and he lists a few, right? The blind receive their sight. The lame walk. The lepers are cleansed. It's pretty good. The deaf hear, right? The dead are raised. And the poor have the good news preached to them. It's pretty good. What do you hear and see? Now, if you were to go... If you were to go back through, through the Old Testament, through Israel's scripture, especially Isaiah, you would find in Isaiah that he was looking ahead to a time when God would come with his salvation and he would redeem his people. And it was this, this time of salvation that Isaiah was looking ahead to. And when you read about the time of promised salvation, several things are expected to happen there is a physical, emotional, and spiritual healing and wholeness that marks the arrival and return of God to his broken world. 
So you get a passage like Isaiah 29, 18. Listen to this. At that time, the deaf will hear. The eyes of the blind will be able to see through the deep darkness. The downtrodden will rejoice. These sorts of things. Chapter 26. Your dead will come back to life. This is starting to sound familiar, isn't it? Chapter 35. Blind eyes will open. Deaf ears will hear. The lame will leap like a deer. The mute tongue will shout for joy. So Isaiah, he anticipates the arrival of God as this time of salvation where this sort of healing and wholeness starts to break into the world. He anticipates this when our sinfulness can be put away. So Jesus, by answering the disciples, he doesn't give them a title. He doesn't just say yes or no. He points to the nature of his own works and he says, what time is it? Is this the time of Isaiah's promised salvation? Does it look like this? What do you hear and what do you see? Isaiah's salvation has come. The Lord is here. The things are happening, right? So Jesus says, look around. The signs of God's saving presence are right here. God's salvation life is happening right here. God's new exodus is happening right now. The Word has become flesh and dwelled among us, and we beheld His glory, full of grace and truth. Jesus says, look and see. See the grace of God at work in your own lives. Look at what happens when God shows up, when he comes and our hearts are turned to him. So Jesus says to John, John, in your doubts, in your uncertainty, look around, see and hear the grace of God at work in your world and in your life. In your doubt, look for the signs of God's salvation among you. Look at what God is already doing. Now, the difficulty for us, of course, is uh, sometimes it's hard to see God at work in our lives, isn't it? Things can feel dark, things can feel empty. We just feel kind of lost in our sin. What do we do then? The answer comes in recognizing the twofold return, the advent of Jesus. We've been laying this wreath as a memory of Christ's first advent that he has come. Salvation has come. But we're also living in anticipation of his return. So on one hand, salvation has come. Look around, you can see God's grace alive and at work in our lives. And yet, all is not well. Marriages still fall apart. Loved ones die. People don't get healed sometimes. The economy doesn't do well. Injustices happen. We need him to come again. And we live in the time between the Advents, the first Advent and the second Advent. The thing for us to remember, folks, if you are in a place like John of Doubt, or you know 
of someone in that place. It's to say, yes, the kingdom has come. It's already here. Christ is here. Salvation is here. You can have a new life. But that doesn't mean everything's all going to be a bed of roses. We still long for him to return. So we say, salvation is here. But we also can say, come, Lord Jesus. Come. We live in that in-between. John needed a reminder that day of who Jesus was. And Jesus tells his disciples, go and see how my kingdom is breaking in on the world and bringing sight to the blind, bringing hope to the captive. See how salvation is coming. Might not be here in its fullness, but it's coming. It's coming. It's here. For us folks, we're called just like these disciples to keep our lives focused on Jesus. Even in our uncertainties and in our doubts, we're called to live and proclaim his salvation and his grace in the world today. We're called to pray for the sick. We're called to pray for healing. We're called to speak good news to the poor. We're called to live out the salvation and the grace of God in our lives right now. That's what we're called to doesn't mean all the uncertainty and the doubt goes away. But Jesus is right in saying, your testimony is very powerful. Do you want to be reminded of the time that we're in, the time of salvation that has come? Look around and see and hear the stories of God's grace alive and at work in the world. Pay attention to the good stories around you. What I'd like you to do is actually do just that. Nick, are you around? I'm going to ask Nick and a few of the helpers to pass around these sheets of paper, one at each table. And what I'd like you to do in your table, as you're all together, this is the, the teacher and me coming up, perhaps, in your table group. I'd like you to ask this simple question. And if there's only a couple of you, you need to find others and kind of band together. You know. Where have you seen the grace and the salvation of God at work in your lives this year? Where have you seen and heard what Jesus is doing? Share some of the good stories of how he has been alive and at work in your life. Do exactly what Jesus in this passage, calls the disciples to do. What do you see? What do you hear? Now, for some of you at the table, you might be the one feeling the doubt and the uncertainty and the, I don't feel very good, I don't have a good story to tell. That's okay. My hope is that there's at least someone at your table that can speak the life and the truth and the grace of God and share that story today. So I'm going to ask us to take five minutes, and one of you, is so awkward, isn't it? One of you needs to pipe up and say, you know, here's something that God has done in my life this past year. And it's been good. I may not always see it, but but here's an example. And there's some other questions there, too, that you can can ask. But the main one is, where have you seen and heard God at work in your life or in the life of a friend this past year? 
Can we do that? Yes. Excellent. Go for it. We're going to take five minutes and just share together where have I seen God at work? Uh, here's where I've seen God at work in my life. There you go. Let you wrap up that conversation. Let me bring this to a close. Two things. John's question and Jesus' answer. Both dealing with doubt. One uh, uh, speaking the doubt and the uncertainty, the other one answering it with the testimony of God's grace. I want to remind you, wherever you're at today, whatever this Christmas season maybe feels like for you this year, we can let the doubts and uncertainties in our hearts, whatever that might be, about the future, about life, about faith, you can let that uh, be curved inward in you, or you wallow in it, or it can point you to a deeper faith, as Austin has uh, suggested, a deeper faith in Christ. Uh, if there's good doubts, and there's something that you're believing that doesn't need to be believed, that will come out. But if there's something that can be answered, then that doubt uh, is resolved, and it allows us to actually enjoy God more deeply, as I suggested. Here Jesus welcomes the doubt and the question, and he, I think there's a... He also uh, noticed later on, we didn't get to this part, but he, he commends John, right? There is no sort of... He tells the disciples, what do you see here? And then he turns to the crowd and says, that John. What a stinker. He just lost faith, you know? He what a, just started doubting all over the place, that guy. No, he, he commends John, doesn't he? There's no sort of your doubt, your question wasn't worthwhile. John, what are you doing? Should you just have faith and get on with it? No. He addresses John in his doubt, in his weakness. And he still commends him. Jesus is just so great in this. So folks, today, be reminded, in your own life, where there's doubts or uncertainties, don't wallow in it. Bring it to the Lord. Come to Jesus with your questions. If there's friends in your life this Christmas season that are in a real uh, place of struggle, you know, it's just been a difficult season for them, um, help them turn their hearts to Jesus also. And may I suggest that it is good to remind ourselves the, the places where we see God's grace and his faithfulness at work in our lives and in our world. Uh, some of us are timid to share what God's done in our lives, but folks, he's, he's alive and well and at work. I encourage you to share those stories, even as we continue on and eat. Um, the time of salvation has come says Jesus. That time that Isaiah looked forward to has come in him. And so we can be forgiven. And we can be transformed. And we can be redeemed. We can have new life in him. It's for each and every one of us. Each and every one of us. May we, inspired by John's question, be quick to bring our hearts and our hurts to Christ this Christmas season. And may we, inspired by Jesus' answer, look for the grace of God at work in our lives and be quick to share it with those that need it. Can I pray for you? 
Lord, thank you that you love us. Thank you that you embrace us, even questions and uncertainties and doubts, all of us, Lord, because we're weak. And yet you welcome us even in this place. Lord, help us to see and to hear the stories of your grace, your healing, your redemption at work, in our lives, in our community, and in our world. Lord, we need to hear good stories in a world that often is uh, consumed with bad stories. We need to hear some good stories. So Lord, we turn to you. We pray you would be the source of our joy. Even as we eat together, Lord, and there is joy in the sharing of food, would you bring that joy to us today in the same way you brought joy and life to the people, the blind, the lame, the poor. Back then, just as you do today, Lord, bring your joy and your life and your healing because we need it. Lord, thank you for this food. and Thank you for everyone that's brought things and prepared. Lord, would you bless this time. We thank you, Jesus, for all that you've done for us. In your name, amen.